And I assure you, waking up being happy to be here, no matter what's happening in your world, is the biggest gift and the biggest blessing you could ever give yourself. Go find what you do well, live in it, and incorporate it. What would life look like for you if you showed up and you were unapologetically you? What would your relationships look like? What would your life look like in general by showing up and being your true authentic self and fulfilling your purpose that you're meant to live out in your life because you're showing up unapologetically you? So that's the theme for this episode. And it's a question that you need to do a deep dive on as a fellow legacy ninja. If you're not showing up authentic and transparent in everything, you're selling yourself short. So on this episode, Patrick and I had the pleasure of having a strong, phenomenal guest on, having a strong conversation, that being Michelle Morass. And she shares her journey. She shares what got her to where she's at now the legacy of really helping others step in and be unapologetically themselves. And just think about that. What would life look like for you if you showed up unapologetically? You. And like I said, that's the theme for this episode. And it's a question to really touch in and tap into and ask yourself, are you doing that for yourself? So within the episode... We talk about don't be afraid to step into who you are, show up, be vulnerable, transparent, and give permission to others to do the same thing. And then stop limiting yourself and ask questions. Ask the right questions because your mind will find answers for the questions that you ask yourself. So if you're asking horrible questions, That's where these responses and answers are coming into play because of what you're asking yourself. So hopefully after the episode, you take the time and really look and say, where do I need to show up in my life and be unapologetically myself? And where in my life am I at that point, but I haven't fully taken that leap to show up transparent and vulnerable. Other than that, enjoy the episode. It will catch you, our fellow Legacy Ninja, later. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Legacy Digging with Two Native Sons. Today we have a very special guest, Michelle Mraz. Michelle, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure. So real briefly, I just want to kind of make a quick introduction in terms of how you and I got connected. Uh, Recently, uh, I had the pleasure of being able to listen to you share your story at a local event called Memoirs, Colorado Springs. And only come to find out that you share not only your story, but you do a lot of public speaking. So tell us a little bit about what kind of got you into that. It was truly an accident. (laughs) (laughs) I used to write for political um, campaigns, basically. I thought my calling in life was to write for other people and to help them get their message out. And so that's what I was doing. And then in 2014, I was in a auto accident, which left me with a traumatic brain injury. So I pretty much got stuck in my head for two years where I couldn't move and I couldn't talk without assistance. And when I came out of that, I was, well, if you ever watch my TEDx, I say it in my TEDx that I heard a voice tell me, you're not dead yet, get up. Mm. And um, when when I heard that voice, I also felt speak. And so I was just bound and determined to speak and I had to get better because I was supposed to speak. And that's really what got me going. An unseen voice told me to speak (laughs) and to share my story. Because think of it, I was trapped in my head for two years speaking with all of my inner critics and fighting them. I have a really strong message to share from just that experience. And you know, there are many more experiences I went through afterwards. So it it was the catalyst to help me believe in myself enough that I had a story to tell and I could help other people through their pain and their stories. Yeah. Your story and your journey 
is really an incredible one. I know just listening to you speak, like I was just so intrigued. I've, um, big portion, of course, was my story, right? Going from depression and suicidal to business owner to basically having unlimited potential, right? Being limitless. Um, and also realizing that it's okay to be imperfectly perfect. And yes. so as you kind of look at you know, all the things that you've kind of gone through, you know, and taking a look at where you're at and just to realize that there's probably still much like most of us entrepreneurs feel like that there's so much unfinished (laughs) things to do still. Can you walk us through a little bit in regards to how you've maybe identified or maybe, you know, just kind of your thoughts in regards to how you feel about watching the growth of your own personal journey and your mindset? Okay, initially with my brain injury was, ah, no, (laughs) Uh, but but after I realized that it was part of a shedding of what I had encapsulated myself in. Now, what many of us don't realize is we've been putting stigmas upon ourselves from society, from our families, from expectations we think we we are expected to do. And I just kept putting all these shells on me. In my brain injury, when I got to talk to all my inner critics, I learned that wait a minute, that's not me. Wait a minute, that's not what I wanted to do. Wait a minute. And so I started questioning the things I was doing and arguing with the voices in my head. And basically what I came to that conclusion was everything bad that I thought went through that I experienced were actually growth experiences. And I were I was meant to go through them, not get stuck by them. And the beauty of that is now, whenever anything comes my way, which is why I coach people through the same thing, there's always a reason behind it. There's always a reason and there's always a lesson. And the purpose of any obstacle you see isn't to stop you. It's to make you realize how much do I want this? I'm willing to be water and go over, around and through. That's how badly I want it. And so that's what our challenges are. And you know, as you heard in my story at Memoirs, when I was coming out of my brain injury, Almost immediately after, I found out I had breast cancer, and so there that was one boom, one big, you know, one big hit. And then as soon as I started crawling out of that hole, boom, another big hit. And you know, cancer doesn't tend to go away; it tends to kind of hang in your world for the rest of your life. So I had to realize, okay, this is an obstacle I will crawl over, or through, or go around, whatever I'm going to do, but it will be something that I need to address for the rest of my life. And that's when I started analyzing how I took care of myself, my, my mental state, my physical state, my, my soul, because in order to fight cancer, you need to be mind, body, and soul strong. And that's what led me onto a whole nother journey. So for those of you who don't know who I am and you haven't Googled me yet, when you go to my website, michellemoross.com, you will see a woman who did a TEDx who's over 300 pounds. I am no longer over 300 pounds. Why? Because my cancer taught me that I want to live mm-hmm. and I will do anything to stay healthy and live. So all those times when I used to try to diet before and I would do, oh, but I can't give up the bread. When someone says you're going to die, you've got cancer. Suddenly bread was really easy to give up, you know? <laughs> so it was a perspective change, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever you want something, anything you want, and you think there's an obstacle in front of you, remember how much and how badly do you want it? And what are you willing to give up to get to it? That's really what it comes down to. That's so amazing. How long have it, has it been since you've had cancer? Um, I got diagnosed in 2000, at the end of 2016, early 2017. Oh, you're asking a lady with a brain injury. I'm pretty sure it's 2017. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in remission now? I am not, but uh, there is no sign of the cancer because I changed everything I did. I did a really good job of whatever I'm doing. And basically what the uh, the neurologist, what the um, oncologist is doing is they watch me. And for anyone who's ever experienced cancer, I know anyone who has had cancer, they always check on us about every six months. And as you get further along the process and they don't see anything, then they say, okay, we'll see you in a year. I'm still in the ever six months part. 
Excellent. Well, definitely keep, please keep us up to date if there's anything that we can do. Um, I actually have an employee who's on sabbatical because she's going through that right now. So I know that, uh, you know, it's definitely a tough journey, especially to hear it for the very first time and to, to go through that. But yeah, I know that that's something that uh, Scott and I have been impacted uh, by people we know. I've had family that passed from it as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's important for people to also realize that Life can be tough, but like you said, you know, being able to respond and figure out that passion in terms of how you want to go through it. And there's really no wrong or right way to be able to go through and tackle life the way that you want to, as long as you're not hurting other people, right? Exactly. Um, But you know, the other thing that cancer taught me is life is short, live it well. And never leave anyone negative. So don't hurt anyone. Don't don't leave anyone with a bad word. Don't live your best you. That's why my 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 saying is be the best version of you every day and be unapologetically you. Mm. Because if I die today, everyone in my path, anyone who's ever met me, anyone who's ever heard me, knows I lived life and I loved people hard and strong, and I have no regrets. So yes, I may still have that cancer thing sitting through me. But I will die happy no matter when I go. I love that. And obviously, that's why we have you here, right? To discuss the legacy piece. So one of the big focuses on us for uh, our legacy ninjas, that's uh, what we call our audience, is, you know, what were the steps of the after to be able to really get to where you're at now? What were some of maybe the hardships? What were some of the obstacles that you had to overcome outside of yourself? And then the second part to all of that really is kind of what are you doing to live your legacy? And I think that we've got a a small piece uh, to explain that piece already. But, you know, um, again, we want to give you the time to really be able to share your story the way that you want to. So obstacles, how did I get through them? Well, I had a lot of them. Uh, So with my brain injury, I couldn't walk or talk. So with that, I was stuck in my head. But instead of sitting there and just being upset, because I was upset for a while, I started writing in my head. I started writing my a, a book if I was going to make it through, if I was going to be able to get it out of me. I started writing a book in my head. And that's, remember, I said I was arguing with the voices in my head. Mm-hmm. I was writing in my head the argument piece and what my inner critic was saying, and then what story I was telling myself to keep me stuck. So, that's one of the obstacles. I kept thinking, even though I was told, you may not ever speak or walk again. Then the next thing that happened was when I started walking and speaking, yay, <laughs> I, I celebrated that. But instead of running and going crazy with it, I was still very careful. I have a brain injury. So I learned the nuances of myself. I know when I'm getting tired. I know when I'm getting overextended. I, I make sure I exercise, but then I know I must sleep and I must eat right. So there are things that I learned about my body because your body is always talking to you. It's always saying, you know what? I didn't like that piece of chicken. Maybe you shouldn't eat it anymore. You know, and we just keep eating it. Right. So I don't, I stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it came to my breast cancer, the obstacles with that were They've cut a lot of pieces of me off. Hmm. I mean, from my breast, through my intestines, through my stomach. I mean, my colon, my, I mean, you name it, you, they cut everything out of me, basically. I don't, I'm a, <laughs> my husband laughs about it. There, when I die, there's going to be a, a, a casket for just my body and another box for all my <laughs> artificial parts. But those are obstacles that most people will use as excuses to stop. Mm. With me, I took them as, okay, this is just another sign that life is short. I must keep going. And then to go into your second part of that legacy part. When I was younger, before all this brain injury and cancer, I was sitting back waiting for the world to happen to me. I just walked and waited for things to happen. When I did my TEDx, I declared to the world that I am not waiting anymore. I will live my life fully intentional. I will do what I want to do. I'm not saying I'm going to go out there and say, you you only live once and start jumping out of airplanes (laughs) and crashing cars, but intentionally live full. 
intentionally reach out to people because I want to help them get to another level. I'm not all about the money and the, I got to get this, and you know, I want this name. No, it's not what I'm after at all. I want to raise as many people and take as many veils off of as many people's faces as I possibly can so they can live as themselves, not what they think they're supposed to be. Because I, I keep, no matter where I go in the world, I meet people who are depressed. They're successful, but they're depressed and miserable. And when I talk to them, it's, well, you know, I'm doing this because I got my degree in it, but you know, my real, my passion's in this. Well, then stop that. Do that. You know, do what your passion is just because you got a degree. Well, I don't want to waste it. No, whatever knowledge you gain from whatever you experience, you could apply it to something different of what you love. That's what sets you apart as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. That's what makes you special. You bring your gift. So my legacy is to stop apologizing for what you're not. Embrace who you are. Be the best version of that every day and be unapologetic about it. Man, I'm just waiting for the applause to stop right now, right? Because I know that people are sitting here, you know, when they're listening to this, it's going to be one of those things where like, hold on, let me go back because there are so many nuggets dropped in there. Scott, is there anything that you want to respond to in regards to that? When... Hearing that story and having to reconnect with your body going through the brain injury and everything that you dealt with, how much of that do you think that plays into what you can provide people through your legacy in regards to knowing what that feels like and how can you pass it on to those that you work with and those that you speak with? And what do you think that can do for individuals when they're able to tap into their body and actually listen to their body instead of listening to the external pieces that a lot of people listen to? It will set you on fire. (laughs) Yes. Well, and that's really what I did with my second book. It's not luck overcoming you. I wrote that one in my head. And the reason I did it is because everything, and I tell this to my clients, Everything you ever approach that seems like an obstacle is not something that you have never seen before. You have seen it in some other way, shape, or form in some smaller version, usually when you're younger. And what we don't realize is, I already learned this already. We forget. So something as simple as, I'm afraid of heights, okay? My daughter, no, 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 my son said he was alert, uh, he's afraid of heights. And um, I said, no, you're not. And he said, yes, I am. I'm terrified. I can't, I I don't even want to go on an airplane. And I said, do you remember when you were three? He said, what do you mean? I said, when you were three, you used to climb the outside of the stairs, not the stairs, hang on the railings and climb to the second floor to the third. They would go to the outside and then wave to me from like way up there. And I'm like, you were always the daredevil. And he's like, I did. I remember when I used to do that. I said, remember what it felt like to get to the top. Do you remember waving at me? I do remember waving at you. I said, well, how did it feel? He has, I felt so big and strong. I said, exactly. How did you get back down? You guided me back down. Exactly. Why are you afraid of heights? I'm not. Mm. So it, it was something so simple that he had to remember what he used to do. Somewhere in there, he looked down and someone screamed up at him, you're going to fall. And he went, I'm going to fall. I'm afraid of heights. But he really wasn't. So when people say, I can't because of this, or I'm afraid of this because of this, I do. Let's go back into your memory. Have you ever gone up a slide? Uh, Have you ever met a dog you had never met before? Did you ever do a spelling bee? You know, just any kind of thing that would scare them from whatever. And we go back to that memory and we explore it. And it's usually some one little voice that said, be careful, you're going to. And our minds, instead of taking the benefit out of it, our minds capsulate and do, don't do it anymore. You're afraid. Don't do it. You're not good enough. When actually it's just saying, how badly do you want to go? Yeah. So I do help my clients this way because been there, did that, got the t-shirt on many, many, many things in life. 
And no matter what I have experienced, if I haven't experienced something of what my clients are going through, my clients tend to be one, they want to speak better. They want to give their messages out. They want to get on bigger stages like TEDx or whatever. Well, I've been there, did that, got the t-shirt, but I'm also very good at getting those voices out of your head to work with you instead of against you. And that's the magic of working with me is I know how to combat the voices and live a life of joy and be able to give it back to the people in your audience. I know how to harness that, that energy, that, that pent up anxiety, whatever it is, and push it back out to the audience so that you electrify your audience to want more of you. It's a gift that I was given in my brain injury. I'm quite sure it is. But that is the gift I give to my clients is to unleash that, that fire and let them be the best versions of them. Mm. I really love that. And actually, that answered a question that I was going to ask. So thank you for that, Scott, because in my mind, I was thinking, like, did you basically having that time to focus on the voices do you feel like that they get give you an advantage that maybe other people can't because they don't have the time, right? But you explained that you're able to help pull that out. And so, you know, what I love is that you draw into not only personal experiences, but you focus on eliminating those barriers, not just for the one time, but for the long term. As I'm learning, uh, parenting is always a skill that never stops, right? Um, yeah. Evolving. And my son is now uh, playing football. And at six years old, he's playing tackle football. And, you know, there's statistics, there's people out there that are basically like saying, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't start him so early. And then some people are like, well, it's fine, you know, and again, we just allowed our son to have the choice. He doesn't have really any siblings. He doesn't have you know, a whole lot of friends or families that, you know, we're around the kids all the time to where he's maybe kind of has that like sibling rivalry or that kind of that tension where, you know, the young, uh, the younger brother annoys older brother. So the older brother punches him, you know, kind of, so for him, this is all completely brand new. And so to teach him proper aggression has been quite the learning curve, right. To teach him to harness into something that traditionally has been like, Hey, we don't do that here, right? Whereas, hey, you have full reign to be able to do that. And so, you know, for a long time, it was kind of like, man, I'm super excited. And I was so excited. We had our first game on Saturday that I actually cried during the game because I was just so proud of him and so happy to be a football dad, right? Um, because it's like two things that I love coming together. I love being a father. I love football and, and to be able to see him do that. But to be able to get to that moment, man, like I've realized all the things that I was doing wrong in terms of motivation, because, you know, they, they, they want you to, you want your kids to have fun, but you also want them to just give it their all. Mm -hmm. And so we would go out there to practice and he'd be sitting there and he'd like maybe make a push and then he would just kind of stand around, you know? And, and so he like, part of it was like, okay, he's just learning the game. The next day at practice, the next time I practice, I was like, just a little bit more effort, you know, you're doing well. And then all of a sudden on game day, he puts it all together and he's out there and he's pushing and he's like throwing somebody down and he's going to look for somebody else. So he's not standing around. And it's just like, and coach was like, Maddox showed up to play today. Right. But what I had to learn was that it, it's that reinforcement basically praising him for when he had great games and his thought process was like, Oh, if I do well, I'll get high praise. If I don't do well, then it was just another day of practice. So what we started adjusting was just saying, Hey, if we change the focus a little bit and just really coach to every single day, finding something that was positive that you could do, no matter if the game or the practice was a good or bad practice, but we still focus on those things. It builds that confidence. Now, all of a sudden he was able to put it together. I was reading statistically that professional athletes, especially in uh, athletes of all levels tend to do better in games when they have that confidence all the way around versus based off performance. So when you do your coaching with your clients and, you know, talk to those who want to get on a bigger stage, is that an obstacle that you also maybe have to kind of coach toward that or maybe kind of teach them kind of that confidence level as well? No. No. <laughs> because the way we work together, that confidence comes so quickly. They're like, oh, I'm going. I'm going mm -hmm. for that. I'm, there's nothing that can stop me. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go apply. Because what's the worst that's going to happen? 
You either don't make the stage or you're going to be right where you are anyways, or you make the stage and you're where you want to be and you want to have a, a bigger goal. Now, one of the things I want to make sure I mentioned to you with that positive reinforcement is one of the things I noticed in a lot of my clients is when they failed, quote unquote, failed, they see it as a failure and I cannot. Mm. So I have to undo the I cannot to what did you learn from that when when it didn't work the way you thought it was? Oh, because this and that. Now I can't. No, you can. That's just not your way. You know, so things like that. Make sure that there's reinforcement to the not so good moments so that when they look, when he looks, when your son Maddox looks back at life, he doesn't say, well, I, I'm a terrible, I can tackle, but I can't run. Well, yeah, you can just, you were much better at tackling, but yeah, you could still do that really well. You know, anything like that, because a lot of people as adults have taken those youthful memories and locked it into their heads of things they cannot do as adults. And it's like, um, you were five. Yeah, but no buts. You were five. You're 45 now. You know, you, <laughs> that's not you. It's like saying, oh, I, I, when I was five, I hated broccoli. So, you know, I'm in my 50s. I still hate. No. Did you try it again? <laughs> Do it again. You've evolved. You've changed. So don't let those kind of things lock you up. You must always learn from the things you're not good at in order to find out what you're really good at. Now, mm. the reason I say that is my background is in engineering and quality systems management. I'm an examiner, a quality examiner. So I look at people and lives and businesses this way. I look at them as, you know, lean six sigmaing their their entire process of their lives. So although I call myself a communications coach, remember the communication comes at the end after we fix all the other stuff on the inside. Mm-hmm. I honestly think I should go out and get a psychology degree. But <laughs> because really that's what we're doing in order for you to project correctly and to give the, your heart out to the world, you've got to get those cobwebs out of your head and all those insecurities out of your way so that you can give fully without going onto a stage or going in front of a room and do, you know, I love this product and I'm, I'm a widget person, but in the back of your head, you're thinking, I don't believe in widgets. I'm not good enough. I can't be here. Everyone's laughing at me. You can't do it because humans feel that kind of thing. We feel when someone's not sincere. So we have to get the cobwebs out so they can free and show up as fully themselves. So you let your son know how great he is and that when he isn't great at something, we'll work on that on the weekends when you're not on the field, you know, yes. that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. And I love what you said about the authenticity piece, right? I think a lot of times, similar to what we've been talking about, people often get to the point where they're now afraid to showcase who they are because social media, because the world has taught us that we have to be a certain way, that we have to do things a certain way. And so when people do show up to challenge the status quo, they're considered outsiders. And again, we've worked so hard to get away from being the outsider or the outcast. So as we're talking about that and you're kind of forging your own path, what is what does that legacy piece look like for you in terms of how are you enjoying the success? How are you enjoying, you know, the ride of everything since, you know, I'm we you and I beforehand got to talk about a lot of the accomplishments and the things that you've crossed off your bucket list. So if you wouldn't mind running through some of that as well, because honestly, like it's just so impressive. Well, I'm just happy to wake up every day. So my accomplishment is, oh, my eyes open. I'm, I'm one of the worst, amazing, obnoxious morning people because I am so happy to wake up. And uh, my poor husband. <laughs> but I've done a lot of things because I've learned to stop waiting. I used to wait for the perfect time. Wait, I'm not going to do this until I do this. Or I'm not going to buy that dress because I'm going to drop another 20 pounds. Forget all this crap that we, these limitations to joy. I'm going to do it because I got to do it. Not, not got to do it, but my heart wants to do it. So like I was sharing with Patrick earlier, I've got multiple books out. So I have my Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. That's based off my TED Talk. And then I've got the It's Not Luck Overcoming You, which is the one I wrote in my head with my brain injury. And then I've got the books that are coming out. It's a 13 book series that's all linked to Think and Grow Rich. So the first one is called... Uh, 13 steps 
to riches. Mm. Volume one is desire, the first chapter of Think and Grow Rich. And then my next one is volume two is faith. And so right now I'm in the middle of writing volume three, which is, you know, the mindset thing. And so, and then I've got a book of collaboration of women who've gone through my speaking program and I've got the women, uh, 13 of them wrote stories, their stories, and it's called hold my crown. Women of grit share their stories of resiliency. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I've got, a lot of books coming out by the end of the year. And what's so beautiful about it is it's not that it's pressuring me. It's because I'm living in what I love. This is not work for me. When someone says, Michelle, can you go uh, clean out that engine and uh, do that transform? No, that's going to stress me out. I'm not going to enjoy doing that. But you say, Michelle, can you write a story? Can you write a 2,500 word story about whatever? Sure, I can do that in an hour. So, you know, I'm, I'm popping up stories because it's me. I live in what my passion is. And for those of you who are listening, that's what living in your passion feels like. It's blissful and I don't ever get tired. My husband literally has to say, Michelle, have you eaten yet? Michelle, don't you think you should sleep today? I mean, because I'm so on fire for what I'm doing, I don't realize I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. That is what I live for. And that is what I live to help other people find because life's too short to regret waking up. I've had, I've had that where I didn't know if I was going to make it to the next day. And I assure you, waking up being happy to be here, no matter what's happening in your world, is the biggest gift and the biggest blessing you could ever give yourself. Go find what you do well, live in it and incorporate it. Like I said, I have a background in engineering and quality systems management and politics. I've taken all those bits of knowledge that I loved in each of those aspects and put them into my world of coaching and speaking. Mm. That is why I think I reach so many people because I'm speaking multiple languages not just, you know, humanities, but in engineering <laughs> and, you know, all the tech world, I can speak all of them all at the same time. I love what I do. I think that that right there is a huge piece, um, the factor, because a lot of engineers, people that are in that type of career field, usually aren't very extroverted, very introverted. Um, so with your personality and the energy you put out, I think that's a huge piece to allow people to see that, hey, you can come from one world, flip it and get to a place that really suits who you are as an individual and really impact a lot of lives. But also with the idea of writing a book, I think a lot of people will come across the idea of, oh, somebody's already done this. I have a message, but somebody's already written it or somebody's already spoken on it. And I think the power of understanding that you have a specific message that may already be written by somebody else, but you're going to speak it in a different language that's going to resonate with somebody else. And I think that's something huge that a lot of people end up getting stuck with is it's already been done. It's already been said. Why even do it? And so with what you've accomplished with what you're bringing out, Michelle, I think that's a huge piece that goes into this legacy piece of helping people overcome and living their life fully and have that passion that they're going after. But I think that's a testament of by you doing it, it gives other people the go ahead that, hey, it's okay to put this out. Your message is going to resonate with somebody else. I give them permission. And what I tell my clients is, it was what one of my mentors told me, Paul Martinelli from the John Maxwell team. He's no longer there, but he was my mentor when I joined. He said, someone is waiting for your voice. Mm. And so that just triggered me because I'm like, I've been holding back because, you know, look at all these motivational people. Look at all these inspirations. They're all the same. But one voice spoke to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, one did. John Maxwell spoke to me. I heard it from 15 billion other people. But his voice clicked on me. And so I realized there are other people waiting for just me. So if I can speak to more audiences and only reach that one person, then I can change their life and my whole life will be, you know, it will mean something. So, yes, for everyone out there who does, oh, they already wrote the book on it. Doesn't matter. Your personality, your voice, your intonation, your story. You are so uniquely special that one person in the world has been dying to wait to hear you and you're holding it back because of your insecurities. 
you have to go out and speak. You have to go out and share that story with you, write your book. Now with me, I've, I've narrated books. I'm in sci-fi movies for goodness sakes. Why? Because someone's going to see that and say, Hey, that lady is in a sci-fi movie. She can't even act. Well, then I can do it too. Yeah, I mean, whatever it is, I don't care what it is, but whatever I can spark in someone else and give themselves permission to not be outrageously amazing at something to do it. I am not a great actress, but I do love saying access denied or thank you for calling <laughs> Omaha Federal Credit Union. You know, those kind of things. It's because you do things that you have fun doing. You don't have to be perfect, but if you enjoy it, I mean, on Saturday, I sing with a band here in Colorado Springs called Vehicle, mm -hmm. and I sang at a wedding. I sang a lot of songs at a wedding. Am I the greatest singer ever? Probably not. But did I bring smiles to a lot of faces in that audience? Yes. Well, then my job is done. Do what you do. Love what you love doing and do what you love doing. I think anybody that's listening to it, really take that to heart and do a deep dive and see where you're at and what are you doing to limit yourself? Because ultimately, Michelle has proven it that your voice is needed and don't push yourself back to the back burner because you assume that nobody's going to hear it, nobody's going to listen. Thank you. Well, and you know what I love is that your heart is on full on display, right? But you've kind of shown us how resilient the human body can be, how resilient the human spirit is. And when you love what you do, what that transformation looks like. So when you focus on your mindset and all those things that, uh, you know, really our, our legacy ninjas really are about, right? I mean, those are the things that they're looking for. And so honestly, like Michelle, I'm just so thankful that you would be willing to come on and share this because you've given us so many nuggets and so many things on here. And it's crazy because Scott and I, when we book our guests and our clients and, and the people to come on, we're always kind of like have an idea, but we always just know that this is always going to bring out something so much more for other people. Like you said, you know, to be able to listen to your voice and to hear it. But I think that we equally get so much out of it as well. Uh, so again, I just wanted to make sure and, and uh, acknowledge to you how thankful we are for you sharing all this information is there any advice that you would give maybe for people who are looking, uh, maybe not even necessarily business owners, but people who are kind of on that wanting stage, maybe wanting something better. Maybe they're on the cusp of becoming an entrepreneur. Maybe they're thinking about it. Maybe they're just stuck. What is one single piece of advice that you would give to them? Well, can I give two? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. <laughs> The quote I love to do is uh, Byron Katie. It used to help me. It's helped me through a lot of things. There are three types of business in this world. There's my business, the other person's business, and God in the universe's business. Mm -hmm. Okay. So whenever you feel like you're out of control and you can't get something, someone to do this or something's not working, you need to step back and do whose business is this? The only business you have is your own, how you control what you think, what you do, how you're reacting. But if you're losing your mind because something's not working the way you want it to, it's because you've stepped into someone else's business. Control you and the world around you will work out. Then the other thing I like to share is, it's a visual. I say humans are, we are rubber bands. And what we forget is when we get stretched to our limit, we think, I cannot take any more. I'm going to break. The thing about rubber bands is no matter what you do, how much you stretch it, they come back eventually. Or they might be a little warped, but they still are together. If you snap, and I swear I did snap with my brain injury, and you know, with the suicide, and I tried to commit suicide, I snapped. But what I found was with rubber bands, humans, we can tie that snap piece back together again. And it's stronger at that point than it was before. So what's beautiful about us as being rubber bands, yes, we're stretched. Yes, it hurts. But what happens to a rubber band that's stretched? Full. When you're being stretched, I want you to start planning. 
plan what you want on the other side of that stretch. What do you dream for? What do you pray for? Because energy cannot be destroyed. It can be converted. So while you're being stretched, I want you to aim it to where you want to go. Make plans. Because as soon as that stretch pull, let's go. You're going to fling forward very quickly to what you want. And I'm proof of that because with my brain injury, I planned. Didn't know I was doing it, but I planned. With my breast cancer, when I was under surgery and couldn't move and I was laying in bed crying because I was in so much pain, I planned. And when I came out of both of those situations, I came back faster and stronger. For anyone who watches and listens and thinks, this lady's been doing this for years. No, I haven't. My brain injury was in 2014. I was down, not being able to move for two years, 14 to 15, 15 to 16. At the end of 16, I found out I had breast cancer. They removed my breast in December of 2016. So technically, after all my surgeries, all my brain injuries and everything I was going through, I didn't start this journey until middle of 2017. It is now 2021. I have not been here very long, but what that means is, like I said with the rubber band, energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be converted. I may have been down. You may be down right now. Start converting the energy. Make plans for what you want. If you don't know it, what you want, aim it kind of where you think you might want to go and let it shoot you forward towards whatever you think you might want. Because when you do that kind of thing, doors will open. You need to be aware and be watchful for opportunities to open towards you. Don't wait. Don't sit there and wait for the world to come to you. You must walk. You must move. That energy must be converted to something else. So keep moving. And I believe in you. And Scott and Patrick believe in you too. And the world is waiting for you. And someone is waiting for your voice. Be the rubber band. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Are you sure we only have you for an hour today, Michelle? (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, you should come to my my live events. I'm far more powerful in person. Oh, Oh, man. Yes. Uh, This is a little taste for everybody. Um, We saw... When we did memoirs you spoke there so seeing you actually in person but it, it's unique how things come up because i once saw the new uh, marvel movie last night i was talking to patrick and there was a quote in there that if you don't aim at a target or if you tell them about it, if you don't aim at a target you're gonna miss nothing and so this is the same exact thing where you're talking about this rubber band situation and stretching and focus have something so that way when it releases it goes that direction you may not hit that exact piece but moving forward may get you to another pivot point that may get you to the actual part that you're trying to achieve um and so it's just unique how things will show up and things are talked about and then right here so there's there's something here for this being brought up and then last night with the quote seeing the movie and whatnot so it's, it's funny how things just overlap and just come up for a reason. Um, what that is, there's somebody out there that is struggling, I think, right now. And hearing this will help them unleash that and then shoot themselves to where they need to go because of hearing this story and what you're speaking on, Michelle. Fantastic. I'm glad to help. Yes. Now, I have to plug in one thing. Please. If you ever want to see me live in the near future, my podcast, Denim and Pearls, Business Casual with Pearls of Wisdom from the Porch, we're doing a live on-stage event here in Colorado Springs at Fritz's on uh, September 25th. And so you can Google or go to Facebook and do Denim and Pearls Live, and it'll pop up the, the, the event. Mm-hmm. But yeah, be on stage live here in the Springs. It rarely happens. I tend to speak outside of Colorado, but I brought it here. It's going to be fun. That's awesome. And we will make sure that we get all of your credentials um, listed here. Uh, so we've got Denim and Pearls. We've got your website, michellemoraz.com. Um, what are some of the books um, that you want to plug again as well so our listeners can go and pick them up to support you? Well, um, my books are pretty much all on my website, but uh, there's Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, A Glimpse into a Life Well Lived. That was the ba- It's based off of my TED Talk. And then there's It's Not Luck, Overcoming You. And then this last book that just came out is called 13 Steps to Riches, Volume 1, Desire. 
Awesome. Yeah. They're all on Amazon, but you can also find the last book, the, the uh, 13 Steps to Riches is in Barnes and Noble and all the bookstores. And then I have two more books coming out by um, uh, November 1st. Yeah. November 1st, October 1st. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The book launch is October 24th. Oh no. Yeah. Well, right Here the in the corner. Springs. Oh my gosh. I forgot. So hold my crown. Women of grit share their, um, their stories of resiliency that comes out October 24th. That'll be a book launch here in Colorado Springs. Mm, I love Hopefully that. at three E's if I, I can get to uh, talk to Mr. Man over there. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, and I think uh, one of the things that we want to do to uh, continue to support you is uh, we're going to buy a couple of books, uh, one copy for us, but we're also going to get um, do a giveaway uh, of one of your books as well to be able to give to one of our legacy ninjas. So um, that way we know that um, it's going to go to good use and people who really enjoy and want that content. So the next segment here, and it's crazy how fast uh, these things always go. I know. It's like, already? <laughs> yes. So we really love, and one of the focuses is really kind of the thankfulness. And again, using it for our own daily lives and for uh, our business models. You know, one of the things that I've really learned is that when I take that time to be really diligent, uh, it allows me to go back and really just enjoying the moment, enjoy the things that have led me to where I'm at. You know, Scott shares a story of basically how he's thankful for his divorce, right? That's led him to where he's at now. And again, not a lot of people will ever get to that point or, or get to that point where they, they're thankful for something like that, you know? So um, over the next maybe five to uh, seven minutes, if you have anything that you really are thankful for. And again, I know it could probably go a little bit longer, but we do have uh, some other questions that we want to get to as well. So, you know, again, if there's anybody or anything or um, any thankfulness that you would like to share. Well, as I said, I'm thankful for waking up every day. But if you, uh, one of the weird things that most people find very strange that I'm thankful for is I was, I'm thankful for the cancer. And I know most people would never say that, but I'm thankful for it because I'm so hardheaded and I, I didn't, I knew what to do. I used to be a bodybuilder for goodness sakes. I knew what to do, but I gave up. I didn't care anymore. I gave into that. You know, you're, oh, you're getting old. You're just going to do this. Oh, you're getting old. You're going to have aches. Oh, you're getting, I believed it. I'm thankful for the cancer because it made me realize how precious my life is and that I was wasting my time. And that now it's almost like now that I have a clock ticking over my head that I can see, it makes me appreciate every day I've got. So now I don't like having cancer, but that diagnosis made me wake up to be the best version of me mm. and stop sliding through life like, hmm. Oh, well, that happened to me. I can't control it. No, no, I take control. I take that wheel. I'm like, okay, what do I do now? What do I want? Yeah. How can I help? That's incredible. Scott, I know it's your favorite uh, segment <laughs> here. Uh, so, Michelle, uh, the next segment that we have is really called Pod Decks. Uh, there's a, another podcaster by the name of Travis Brown. And he created this, these pod decks to really help um, other influencers and podcasters to really kind of maybe give them some stuff outside the box to better get to know their guests. So as Scott kind of gets some of these ready, um, they can range and sometimes they're really erratic and really far out there. But nonetheless, it's a fun segment for us. And so what we'll do is when Scott asks the question, we'll allow you to go ahead and answer first. And then I'll just we'll kind of go clockwise here with myself and then scott and then we'll go through about three or four of these so okay i'm game so first deck that we're pulling from is the hypothetical questions deck all right if you could tack on 100 years to the end of your life but you would be old and frail during those 100 years would you still do it yes do i still have my brain can i still talk yeah, you're just the the way it's questioned is you're older and frail. So like trying to get around and move uh, uh, might be yeah. a little bit difficult, but you've got all your functions. So well, then I'm good because I've already experienced that with the brain injury where people are washing me and moving me and feeding me with a spoon. You know, I've already experienced that, and all I can remember thinking of is I want to live. When I went through my breast cancer and, you know, they cut things off of me, and I'm sitting there wondering if I'm a woman because I don't have breasts anymore or anything else. 
all I can remember is I want to live. So if I was going to have a hundred years tacked on and I was going to be frail, but I was still there cognizant. Oh, put it on baby. I'm on. (laughs) You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go say no, not because I don't love life and, and, and where I'm at, but because of where I'm at in my faith, I really look forward to being able to experience the next level. Uh, to be able to experience what comes next. And again, you know, my faith leads me to believe that this life here is temporary. And so to be able to experience that next level and to be where I'm supposed to be and, and honestly where we where I want to be eventually, right? Plus, I'm convinced that even if I did have an additional 100 years, that my bucket list would ne- still never get complete. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's my thing is I want to live in 100 years because I want to turn on as many lights as possible. As long <laughs> yes. as I'm still talking, I'm still turning on lights for other yes. people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Love it. Uh, when you think about this question, it's one of those things that can kind of freak people out, like get into the stage where if you're uh, if you're just uh, – you can't move and whatnot, people don't like that. Um, so I think if you Trust look me. at it, though – technology is coming up. So I think being older and frail, there's going to be ways that will still allow you to get around. I think an extra hundred years would give you some very unique perspectives and aspects just to watch how your family tree expands and grows and being around for everything that happens there. So I, I would tag the hundred years on. Be old and frail, talking it. I'll figure out a way to get around. <laughs> I was like, we'll be little brains floating around in jars. <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. That was a great question. Pretty shout out, shout out, Travis here. So, all right, next one that we have is the superheroes deck. So, I look, everybody's got some power inside of them. Michelle, you talked about the uh, the story piece and whatnot, and unlocking that. What is the best superhero logo? Logo? Yeah. Superhero logo. The best super. I mean, as a, an individual or as a group, because I really like the Avengers logo. I would run with that, yeah. So it doesn't give a specific of an individual group. So I like it because it's bold, and it it you know exactly who they are when you just see that gigantic A. It's just, mm. yeah, kind of like the S on Superman, you know. Yes. It's just, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was going to be mine. I was going to say the S on Superman. It just looks so good. It doesn't matter what color, where it gets stick uh, st- stuck on, you know. But everybody. Every kid goes through that phase of wanting to be Superman. They throw on the blanket to be their cape and they stand there. And again, it, you always remember that S, you know, with that person standing there in that superhero pose, you know, and I can't imagine that that's going to be replaced anytime soon. So it's going to be an odd one because like when you think about it, he gets made fun of a lot of times the flash. So if you think about the lightning bolt and the energy that's with, lightning and what that can do and how that expands i think when you look at it with what we're trying to do that logo of the the lightning bolt is huge because of what that transfers and what that passes on to people so logo just because of how that sticks out would be that one um ultimately logos really don't matter for me it's the the character and the the actual superpowers that they have so we'll run with that but the last one that we have is from the hustle deck. And so the question is, what profession do you think is the most undervalued today? Motherhood. Mm. And fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm, I have to expand on that. Motherhood, because, yeah, it's underrated. But fatherhood, I'm going to go to that one instead. Because being a father, you're expected to provide, be strong no matter what, do not show emotion. Uh, you're expected to hold the weight of the family and make it keep going and act like nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. And in an economy like what we're going through right now and everything chaotic, you know, your kids look at you, you know, and they do make it better. And as a dad, you're like, I, I, I can't. But you can't tell them that unless you, you've got that relationship because that man in you, that expectation that the world puts on you is a, a real man. A real father won't let their family down ever. Mm. And you're human. So I think fatherhood is probably the most underrated because we're always talking about motherhood. Yes, giving birth. Yes, losing our bodies. But men, 
you lose your wife to another human when she has a child. The woman that's your partner, the one you did everything with goes away. And no one talks about the fact that you get left to keep trudging on without the partner you you wanted to be with. Mm -hmm. And then when they get older, then you come back together again if you're lucky enough. But if you're not, then you're on your own doing what happened? Uh, Help. (laughs) Help. And so that's what I think the most underrated is fatherhood, because you have a lot of things and expectations on your shoulder. And no one ever acknowledges the fact that being a father and a provider is a lot of work. Hmm. Thank you so much for saying that. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of different perspectives. And again, you know, we, we don't talk about this, right? Because the expectation is you just got to be a good guy, right? You just have to it up. trudge on and keep, keep going. Right. So um, thank you. I think for me right now, um, and, and I still feel this even after COVID is teachers, educators, oh, yeah. right. And I know that it can't be tough uh, or it can't be easy for them r- rather to take on, you know, 20 to 30 kids and get it hundred percent right every single time. But I think COVID showed us how difficult it is for a lot of parents to be able to <laughs> yeah. take on that role. I still feel like that, you know, as an economy status from a pay status that they're still not where they deserve to be. You know, I mean, if you look at the amount of hours that they're putting in um, and they have to wear all the different hats, right? They're kind of the parent there. They're the disciplinarian. They're kind of the life coach for your children. And so you have to hope and pray that you get a good one. Otherwise, you know, it's almost like kind of a waste of uh, development. Um, and that's precious time that they're never going to get back. No, uh, that's that when I was thinking about this question, that's the profession that came to mind was the teaching piece. But being undervalued, um, I think a lot of times if you've never been in that realm, you never fully understand everything that a teacher's taking on, all the extracurricular activities that they're having to do. And it's unique because, like Patrick, you had brought up the fact that they're filling multiple roles. Um, you have an individual that is having to take on 10, 11 different hats. And think about how thinly spread somebody can be if they don't get the proper outlet or it's just not the proper way to kind of get back to their centering piece. And so, and I think also you look at our today's uh, society with the educational system, there's still a lot of constraints on teachers too. And so I think when you look at it, the undervalued piece really is the uh, teacher piece because of everything that they take on. But a lot that people don't see behind the scenes and are taken for granted. Um, So that's when I thought about it, that's what came to mind was the teaching piece. So love it. Michelle in closing was there anything else that you wanted to uh, either acknowledge or put out there for the legacy ninjas that are listening legacy ninjas I love the name for one thing thank you (laughs) but what I would say is don't be afraid to step into who you are One of the biggest things that I found through all of my ups and downs throughout my entire life is what I wanted, what needed me, what was calling me was on the other side of fear. So if you are afraid to step towards you are, where you should be, where you want to be, if you're afraid, it's all the more reason to go towards it. Step towards your fear. You fear it because it's what you love. You don't want to fail. That's why you fear it. It's not because you're not good because you don't want to fail. Go. You won't fail because you love it so much and you want it so much. You will make it happen. Step towards your fear. That's what I would say. Legacy ninjas, step towards your fear. Be, what is it? Be unapologetically you. Mm. I love it. (laughs) Scott, anything from your end? No, uh, ultimately, Michelle, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on and given your view, the legacy piece, and pouring into people. We, we tell people when you look at this too, content, podcasting, blogs, anything of that nature, somebody will come across this when they need it. When, when that is, we don't know. Um, but we still have to continue to put out the content. So it's one thing that if uh, Legacy Ninja is listening right now, 
put out the content. Don't hold yourself back because somebody needs your message, like Michelle has stated multiple times. And so you want to make sure that that message is out there and it's received when it needs to be received by whoever needs it. Awesome. Guys, this has been another episode of Legacy Digging with Two Native Sons. Again, big special thank you to our incredible guest, Michelle Mraz. We'll make sure that all of her credentials are posted up so that way you can connect and also support uh, Michelle. And uh, on behalf of Scott and I, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next episode.